Hello, welcome to the pod. Happy Friday. We're back. We're together over Zoom. (laughs) We are back in Zoom, not IRL. Not in the studio, but we'll be back in the studio very soon. One day, one day. Every time we jump on, Wallace and I jump on to have a phone call or have a meeting about something, we're always like, yeah, 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 90 minutes, two hours, that'll be plenty of time. And then like three and a half hours later, we're talking about John Mulaney's divorce. (laughs) We're all over the map, but we are here. We are grounded down for today's episode about showing up on social media, narcissism, archetypes, digital protection, a lot of things that, I don't know, I don't think that we think about that often. And we get stuck on that first speed bump, which is how do I show up online? Like, how am I supposed to show up online on social meds when I'm like really scared to, and for a lot of good reasons. And I think like off the bat, there's one really good reason that a lot of people are scared to show up and that's because they're afraid of getting canceled. There's a middle ground between totally being hidden online and being a complete voyeur and like being Kanye West, (laughs) just like, just being like, I say whatever the fuck I want. People cancel me over and over again. So I'm not actually canceled. And like, everyone kind of hates me, but anyways, here's Donda. That like also can't feel that good Mm. to be so like belligerently. I don't care what anyone thinks about me. I don't care if I, what I say hurts people's feelings. Like, and I don't think many people listening to this are going to be like, yeah, fuck other people's feelings. I do what I want. That's not really the point. That's not what we're talking about here today. No. I think one of the things that's interesting about this idea of showing up online versus we were talking about voyeurism is the idea of why do you have social media? Just asking yourself that and taking a moment to think about it and just question whether it's for your business or personally. I question that often when I'm not participating on it or I'm not posting anything or sharing anything. I'm like, well, why do I have it if I'm not going to participate in something that needs reciprocity? It's a social Mm. app. You need to participate in order to receive. Yes. Oh my gosh. That reminds me, I'm watching this show, The Only Murderers in the Building. It's a new Hulu show with Steve Martin and Martin Short. Is it good? It's It's really cute. It's like kind of campy and dorky, but it's really cute. And Steve Martin plays this older man who's single and is going, goes on this date. He's very socially awkward with this woman. And she tells him an emotional, vulnerable story about her childhood. And then she asks him about himself. And he says like, yeah, I'm good. Nope. I'll like nothing, nothing wrong with me. And she says very kindly, when someone shares a story with you, especially one that's vulnerable, it's customary and respectful to share something back with them that's equal or greater in terms of emotionality. That's what we do as social people. Like that's a social contract and that's the point. That's how we connect. And that makes me think of what you're saying. That does create connection. And that Mm -hmm. is sort of like, that's how you create relationships. And I don't think that we want to have only parasocial relationships. That's like not why we're here in the world. No, I'm just thinking about when you have a friend who you're like, wait, I know nothing about them. They know everything about me. (laughs) And you're like, hmm. That's funny. Oh my gosh. I'm in this holding pattern with a friend of mine who's lovely, but never really gets like vulnerable with me Mm -hmm. and tells me like when things are wrong and like things aren't going that well. And I can always like, you know, sniff it out on them. Mm -hmm. Like I know things are messy and uncomfortable and like, 
it's really put a wedge between us because I've shared like all my fucked up shit. And I, I feel like they're trying to be so perfect and it's like really hard to relate. And I've just, it's kind of sucks. Yeah. And like we were talking about when we were prepping for this episode is if you're not really in the arena participating, you can't really say shit because you're not (laughs) doing your sacred work. Like you don't, your opinion is kind of moot. Yeah. The classic Brene Brown, you know, what is the name of that? The first book that she wrote that comes from that quote. I'm daring greatly. Yeah. 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 And when we think about social media, right. And it's creation and why we're on it to create relationships, right. To share, to stay connected over the internet might be the most clear point. But I think that there's also sort of like a spiritual lesson in Mm -hmm. in things that are challenging to us, Mm -hmm. like being online or showing of ourselves or showing elements or aspects of ourselves and having like difficulty navigating that, those waters. That's, I would argue like those mm, uncomfortable points or areas that have opacity are like why we, part of what we're here to do is like create more clarity for ourselves and parse out like what that means for us. Like that's, I think part of our sacred work. Right. Mm -hmm. And that's why when we talk about like showing up online, you know, you could totally opt out of being on social media. It's not a big deal. Like go off if that's what you want to do. But I think that there's a huge opportunity if you can figure out how to make this space work for you especially from a spiritual perspective that can unlock so many other things in the rest of your life. Mm-hmm. Kind of like when we do shadow work I was just and then say. all of a sudden then you like go meet someone who's really amazing and you start dating them or like some job comes through or like something shifts and all of a sudden you're able to get your savings account to like, you know, the past the plateau that it's been at for the last couple of years. It's like these unseen energetics that when we sort of like, that are always at play, our ecosystem is so much bigger than we realize it is. We think that it's like just online or just in our romantic relationships or just in our work, but it's like all connected, you know? Yeah. It's acting as if, yes, the internet is separate from real life in a way, but it mirrors it mostly. And we act as if it's totally separate and not part of the ecosystem. And I think, so when you opt out, you are choosing to opt out of a part of life that 99% of people, well, that's probably not true population wise, but societally. 95. Yeah. I mean, like, aren't like, isn't everyone on Facebook Facebook? pretty much? Yeah. Yeah. So you're choosing to opt out of an aspect of life. I have in the past wanted to opt out myself, but I've come around to feel like it's similar to the monk who goes to meditate in a cave. And it's like, well, okay, that's cool. You're not going to be like triggered in a cave. You're just going to be like (laughs) meditating with you yourself. And if you're getting very constantly triggered on Instagram, at least for me, I think it's been such a lesson in just looking at those darker spots. Totally. Also like doesn't have to be this place that's like so dysregulating you know you that's the cool thing like you get to choose your perspective you get to choose that universe like you could make an instagram that is or as any social media platform that's like its own amazing fun candy corn like unicorn digital universe that's only fun yeah if you wanted to right there's like nothing wrong with that necessarily like and that's the interesting thing I think about the internet is that so much of it is how we decide we want to perceive and we have so much choice and we act as if we don't Mm -hmm. and that's 
interesting. Yeah, you can really curate an experience if you're really intentional about it. I'd argue that's why we teach intuitive business, right? Is because there are so many spiritual lessons that are, yeah, we can go to like the esoteric stuff, like tarot and runes and astrology and human design to like learn, but we can also see this stuff IRL and like kind of, I don't know, get two things done at the same time. We can learn how to grow a business and help more people and like learn about things like the spiritual laws, like the law of reciprocity is one of the 12 universal laws. And you, you brought it up earlier in this conversation around reciprocity of how we show up and engage in other people's content. Mm -hmm. It's just like, why wouldn't you, that's so much more fun Mm -hmm. to me. Like why we chose to be born in these bodies at this time during this like internet age. Doesn't that kind of mean that I don't know that we should play. These are the tools we get to play with. Like, let's go see what we can do with them. Like there are modern version of the broom. Mm-hmm. The broom. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. So dear listener, dear reader, <laughs> like if you are listening to this and you're nodding your head and you're like, okay, I get it, but I'm still not going to post a story or I'm still not going to show up on Instagram, but I'm going to scroll through for sure, for sure. Maybe like you could be coming from two perspectives. Let's maybe look at, we'll go with the voyeur first because it's a bit more extreme and you might not relate to it. But we were thinking, we're calling it the voyeur when we we prepped for this episode. And then we looked up the actual definition of voyeur and it's like sort of dark. Yeah, it's it's much more sexual than we thought. (laughs) And like, it's very Fifty Shades of Grey. A voyeur is a person who gains sexual pleasure from watching others when they are naked or engaged in sexual activity. Or a second definition is a person who enjoys seeing the pain or distress of others. And I guess like if you took a metaphorical and standing at like look watching people who are naked, that is like when people are at their most vulnerable. And I think we often see that online that like people are extremely vulnerable sharing of themselves and their worlds. Both kind of have this like negative implication that I don't think about when I use that term voyeur. No, I mean, like that voyeur idea of like someone who's obsessed with Maybe we were using the definition wrong, but I think Mm -hmm. the way that we've been thinking about it is someone who's just like obsessed with watching and seeing and knowing the intimate details of another person, but has zero interest in sharing that of themselves. And also kind of watching from a place of judgment, almost like waiting for someone to mess up or fail Mm -hmm. or prove that they're actually a terrible person. Yeah. I was thinking of it also in terms of just being a consumer but not a creator or someone who's contributing. You're just like consuming, consuming, consuming. That relates a little bit more to the wallflower archetype and the echoist, which is the opposite of the narcissist, which is kind of a new term. I had heard about it in a podcast and it's very interesting because it's really the inverse of the narcissist. It's like you're self-obsessed because you're so afraid of being judged and you don't think boundaries are safe or that you can put up a boundary because that would mean something negative about you. So you hide and remain in this place of extreme fear. Yeah. Yeah, This one resonates so hard. A couple of weeks ago, I stumbled upon this guy on TikTok. His name is, I think, Mental Healness. And he's a a narcissist, diagnosed narcissist who's like pretty self-aware. And he was sharing something and I watched like probably 10 of his videos and then immediately had a spiral of like, oh my God, am I a narcissist? Like what's going on? And I posted something like that on, on 
social. And so many people wrote back to me and they were like, Oh my God, I worry about that all the time. Like I worry about being a narcissist so much. And that's one of the symptoms of an echoist is -hmm. someone who's so concerned with being a narcissist Mm -hmm. that they like completely defer their own needs and their own boundaries. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I got into some really good conversations with people over the internet talking about how that when I'm often like triggered or worried about being a narcissist, it's when I've exerted a boundary and said like, I don't want to do that, or you can't treat me that way, or actually you don't deserve to know that information. And then I start to spiral. And I think that, you know, the way that shows up for me personally, especially online in the past has been, well, I just won't share anything because I either overshare or like people want to know more and I don't want to share it with them. And then they get mad at me. So I'd rather just like not have anyone know anything about me because I just don't want to be judged. And I'd rather just like sit back here and I want to control how people perceive me. And that's the way I can control it basically. Yeah. By just not participating. I think that's such a Mm -hmm. sneaky part of perfectionism too, is thinking you can control how other people see you. It's so hard. I don't know. Does that ever go away? We're always kind of trying to do that. I think on some level, I don't know. Totally. I don't know. I think it's a spiral. You know, there are some moments where you feel amazing and like so strong Mm -hmm. and like, it doesn't matter what other people think of you. Mm -hmm. And then there are other moments where you're just like, Oh my God, I feel like a 17 year old again. I think we worry that the more we reveal of ourselves, the more we're going to like break down the the ideal perception that people have of us of like how perfect we are and how perfect our lives are. And the thing is like the way that you've built yourself in your brain, like your identity com- doesn't match a single person who knows you or knows of you. Every other person who's looking at you has a com- completely different perception of your identity. It might come you know, close to what your personal perception is, but it's nowhere, there's no version of you that exists out there. That's like the version of you in your mind. Mm -hmm. No one else perceives you that way. And that can either be like a total existential crisis mind fuck, or you can embrace it and say like, okay, cool. (laughs) That doesn't exist anywhere else. I might as well play with different archetypes and characters and ways of embodying because like, Number one, that's way more interesting. And number two, that's already happening. Mm -hmm. People are already putting me as a character or an archetype. Mm -hmm. You know, I might as well have fun with it and let it be a thing that can also protect me and my, I don't know, my potential maybe insecurities or my vulnerabilities and like a way for me to be stronger and pull up that inner gold that maybe isn't always right underneath the surface. Yeah. And I think it's really useful to use your archetype, whether it's for your business or you personally that you're embodying or trying to online as a way to find out what boundaries look like. Because sometimes boundaries are so foreign to people, they don't even know what it looks like to assert them or to try it on. So using an archetype to guide you can be really helpful and create a container as to where to direct you. Mm -hmm. Oh my gosh. That's such a good point. I was talking to a friend yesterday who's an amazing wellness business owner. I I won't blow up her spot, but she was talking about how someone totally like dragged her in reading and said, you have big intern energy. And she's like running a million dollar wellness business, right? Like making products and stuff. And she was like, Mm, that's rude. And so she decided like, okay, I'm not going to, I'm not going to have big intern energy anymore. I'm going to be like CEO boss lady. And she said that literally overnight, she like was able to become a different person and have all of a sudden it was like so obvious to her 
what she needed to do, like how she needed to run meetings, how she needed to respond to emails, like how she needed to schedule her time. And it's not that she like learned, read a new book or like learned a completely new way of like running her business. It's just that she like embodied a new archetype overnight. I I just love that. It's kind of crazy how easy you can do it. The future (laughs) visioning sessions in the North Node is such a good example of that. Because it's just stepping into future you now and asking yourself what you would do now. Yeah, it's so simple and also like truly so life-changing. And you think that it's going to be hard, but then you just start acting like that person or you say, what would that person do? What would that boss bitch archetype do? What would a power editor do? What would a creative genius do? And it becomes really, really clear. And we can embody as many archetypes as we want on the internet. We don't even have to tell other people what those archetypes are. We don't have to have just one character. We can have many characters. And that can accomplish our mission of sharing the information that we need to share, that we're here to share, do our sacred work. And also like the mission of exploring and self-actualizing as completely as we possibly can and not reducing ourselves down to one thing or one note or one feeling, but feeling the range of, of all of those things. It's like a one-two punch, you know? Absolutely. And similar to boundaries, you can protect yourself online. And this is something that we're talking about a lot in digital authors. It's going to be so fun. Talking about it this way also makes me really excited because it really is such a like such a way to stretch yourself into like these new dimensions, mm-hmm. you know, if you've been feeling stuck. But if if like embodying an archetype, you're like, eh, I don't know, I haven't posted on my feed in like six months. I don't know if I'm just going to like come and swing in with a new archetype. There's other ways to like take baby steps towards that. And I think like the first thing is protecting yourself because you need to feel safe. Uh And if we don't feel safe, then we're not going to be in action. We're going to stay stuck. So there are so many ways to protect yourself in the digital sphere that are esoteric. Things like cleansing your feed, Mm -hmm. literally cleansing your feed with the content that you put up to putting up sigils on your social media feeds or on wherever you are on on the internet. And sigils can be, you know, sigils are just visual spells. And so they can be as complex as an image that you create and put on your feed, but they can also be things like emojis. You know, they, they don't have to be these like big, huge, obvious I mean, I'm sure if you pop into holisticism or my my Instagram, you'll see some sigils that are happening. And I think that there's some also obvious ways to protect yourself that are pretty realistic, like making sure you've got copyright and making sure that you've got a really airtight password and making sure that you, when you're putting out content into the world or information in the world, you're crediting people, you're using journalistic integrity, you're being thoughtful and conscientious and like you're even like editing your work and making sure that your copy says what you want it to say and expresses your feelings as clearly as possible so that there's less area, gray area for people to interpret something else from what you've said. And that I think stops a lot of people. They think that they're bad writers and you're not. You just, there are so many ways to just get that much clearer with what you're articulating to the world that are simple fixes when it comes to copywriting. Yeah, it's never too late to change your mind and change your style and change your archetype. And I'm going to probably try and use my personal Instagram just as like a little test to go through this and see what I can do with it. Because 
you don't have to, you can delete anything. That's one thing that I love about Gen Z is how often they cleanse their feed. They're just like, I'm deleting all of this. Yes. Yeah. They're like not at all precious no. with their shit. No. And it doesn't <laughs> have to all look cohesive. It can evolve. It can change. If you're into a certain look, that's fine. Mm-hmm. But giving yourself that permission. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's such a good point. Gen Z is so good at that. Like just feeling into what they're feeling in the moment and acknowledging that it's true and that it can change. Mm-hmm. And like what is true for you two weeks ago might not be true in the future and, and that's okay. And and actually setting up and applying that same filter to other people as opposed to looking at something, you know, dredging up something that someone did five years ago on Instagram mm-hmm. and being like, wow, can you believe this horrible thing that they, mm-hmm. I mean, let's temper that. But like, can you believe the type of person they were? Maybe they were a girl boss, right? Or they were like all about the girl boss movement. And now they're not. I feel like Gen Z is like, yeah, people change. Mm -hmm. And I don't think that our generation has quite like swallowed that pill yet. And I also think when you're participating in whatever respective platform, you have more empathy for the people who are trying new things and putting themselves out there. And you can see them in a new light when you're actually participating in that too. And I think that empathy is a great thing on social media. <laughs> and I'm saying this mm-hmm. to myself a lot of this. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, something that I think about a lot because we have some haters and I think about how if you don't have empathy or compassion for other people, then you have even less empathy and compassion for yourself mm-hmm. and how just like that sucks. <laughs> that sucks. Mm-hmm. Like if I think you're being mean to me, I can't imagine how mean you are to yourself. And I feel really bad mm-hmm. about that. And also, like, you don't have to be a bitch. Or, like, you don't have to be an asshole uh-huh. to me, you know? Yeah. <laughs> just just have a little self-compassion, my guy. Because I'm cleansing my feed and I got some protection <laughs> spells, so watch out. And we love a good block. Mm. We love a block feature. Yeah. Personally. I love unfollowing people when it just doesn't work anymore. Mm-hmm. Same. Love to unfollow, especially mm-hmm. if I'm triggered by someone. I can just unfollow mm-hmm. them. It's wonderful. Mm-hmm. Anyway, I'm really excited for this class. It's going to be so fun. So Notion for Magical Baddies, Digital Alters, and Social Media Spells. It's just a four-day class cohort. It's live. So we're starting on Tuesday, going all the way to Friday. And then we have a Saturday school, which is like a Q&A and sort of like office hours with the team. But every day, there's an hour-long lesson with that's live with the group. And the first day is all about how to make social media a place for magic and fun and using boundaries and protection, sigils, feed cleansing, digital alters, social media archetypes. And we made a bunch of templates on how to choose your archetypes, how to like create your digital altar, a digital spell tracker. Wednesday is all about ecosystem thinking and building a cohesive content strategy with your everything that you're doing in your business, which I think is like a thing that sucks people's energy is trying to create too much uh-huh. and not bringing all this stuff together because uh-huh. that's hard. It's really hard. Like no one teaches you how to do that. Uh-huh. They certainly don't teach any of this shit in college. Uh-uh. Thursday is all about creating visual content foundations. And there's an amazing visual branding idea book sort of template to help you get started. And the programs we use, how to make your own, you know, like how to make your own sort of system around ideating new projects as they come up. And then finally, Friday is all about digital spell casting, spells for visibility, how to get your ideas out, and how to make really amazing content. So we're giving away the second brain template and our analytics tracker. And then finally, Saturday is all going to be 
Saturday school questions. It's just going to be so fun. It really hits all the mystical and all of the like really practical elements of what it means to be creating a world in the digital ether for the work that you do. And just the fact that it's live, we just finished up Notion for Your Magical Bodies course on spells and creating ecosystems for really any part of your business or life. And I think one of the funnest things about it has been the live teaching aspect and also the questions that people come with. You learn so much from other people. I certainly did. Yeah. 100% of our participants said their favorite part was the live classes and like getting to learn in real time. And it feels really amazing to be able to offer that for people because it's more work for for us. So it's nice that we get to do it and it's working. And also for participants, 50% of our half of the class last time completely finished their assignments like for the course and were able to get money back, which is unheard of. Usually digital coursework, I think they say like 2% of participants finish the actual digital course. So that's a really amazing... People made such good templates. Yeah. Oh my God. The templates are so good. Fuck. They're so good. But anyways, we're talking a lot about like boring inside voice stuff. So anyways, long story short, this is going to be a really fun class and we're not offering it again in 2021, right? This is the last time we're going to offer it. So if you want to learn about digital altars and basically digital spell work and the practical magic of making content online, I think this will be really fun for you. You're going to get some awesome templates and you also get replays of all the classes. So if you can't join us live, totally fine. You can enjoy the replays at your own leisure. Uh Also, we're going to start every single class with an active exercise. And so you're going to actually have content that's created. Even if you, all you do is show up to class, you're going to have content that you can use Mm -hmm. for at least five days on your social media by the time class is over. If anyone out there is like stuck in the voyeur wallflower liminal zone and wants to break free, choose to see the internet world differently. Mm -hmm. Like instead of viewing it as this hellscape that you need to navigate, that's a battleground, Mm. view it as a playground. Mm. And just see what happens. See how your perspective changes. If you say this is a place to play and have fun and what I do here ripple out into my real life, the more fun I have here, the more fun and magic I'm going to see in my real life. I guarantee you that will change things. Even if you don't show, like even if you just post silly little stories, like things will change. So yeah, flip it from battleground to playground and just see what shifts. I love that reframe. Let's go play. Notion for Magical Baddies Digital Altars starts on Tuesday, September 21st, which is the autumnal equinox. So you have a couple more days to sign up. If you're listening to this later, sorry, you can't join us now, but you can join us the next time around. So you can sign up for the wait list. And when you submit your homework, you get 50 bucks back. So it actually ends up being a lot cheaper than the list price. We'd love to have you join us. We're going to put the link below. And thanks for listening. Thanks for listening. Bye. Bye. See you later.